this summer at Holy Cross, we are diving into the book of Psalms. We'll be looking at the different types of Psalms and the themes that are contained in this book as a whole. We especially want you to learn about how we as believers can relate to the emotions in the Psalms and learn to pray through those in your everyday life. Join us now as we unpack another Psalm. Again, I'm John Burwell. I'm the, uh, I was the head pastor here for 27 years in the 80s, the 90s, and the uh, 2000s. Yes, I'm one of those MTV guys, but uh, I, was, I, was the, I was your rector back in 2003 when we brought your campus pastor over from England named Jonathan Bennett. Uh, I was the rector then, and uh, uh, I, uh, that was 2002, and uh, I also called uh, the guy who is now your rector, Chris, Chris uh, Warner, to be one of my associates back in 2003. So we, we on the staff here, uh, you know, Trevor has known me longer than both of them, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, we go way back around here. Uh, I've been the rector of the Church of the Redeemer in Orangeburg for, four, for seven years now, uh, since 2014. And uh, <laughs> Orangeburg is one of those places where... Uh, you drive by those places on the way to Columbia. You know, you got you got to you got to want to live there, and uh, <laughs> and most people don't want to live there. Like I'm telling you, uh, but if you're ever there on a Sunday morning, drop by the Church of the Redeemer. We'll make you feel right at home. Okay, let's get started. For our sermon this morning, we are going to be unpacking Psalm 46. I was given Psalm 46, and what a great psalm it is. It is a psalm of trust. It's one of a handful of psalms that King David didn't write. Scripture says this psalm, Psalm 46, was written by the sons of Korah. Now, they would be Levites, and that would be the, uh, the equivalent back then of our praise band today. That's who the sons of Korah were. Okay? Psalm 46 enables us to trust in the presence of God and triumph in trouble. The purpose of this sermon this morning, I hope, will be to... Uh, let you see how we can get the very best out of our problems. Wait a minute, Burwell. I, I don't want to get rid of my. I, I want to get rid of my troubles. I don't want to have. I don't want to have uh, good troubles. I want to get rid of them. And uh, I hear you. You know the chances are slim and none that you're that you're not going to have problems in life. I mean, y'all, it's going to happen. I think we know that to be the truth. The secret we all need to discover is how to react when in trouble. I want to show you how to have an untroubled heart, an untroubled heart when those troubles happen, okay? Jesus never promised us a trouble-free life, never did. He did promise his followers an untroubled heart. At one point, Jesus says, John 14, he says, says, let not your hearts be troubled. And he meant that. Uh, In today's gospel lesson, what does it say? It says, come unto me, all you who are in trouble, and what will I do? He will give us rest. He says, I will give you rest. An untroubled heart can triumph over any situation in which you find yourself. Having an untroubled heart is based on three firm convictions. First conviction is the Lord is on our side. The second one is the Lord is by my side. And the third is the Lord gives us peace inside. Let's look at that. Sovereign Lord is almighty, right? Almighty God. He intervenes in our troubles. He does. On time, in time, every time. This, I believe, is the triumphant message of the 46th Psalm. This Psalm eloquently expresses all three convictions. The Lord is on our side, the Lord is by our side, and the Lord is peace inside. Most biblical scholars say that this Psalm was written after God stepped in with a radical intervention 
to save Jerusalem from a triumph named Sennacherib. Sennacherib was an Assyrian conqueror, you know, one of the Babylonians in that, that frame, time frame. A little background, after King Solomon and his sons, uh, after, after that, that, uh, that king and that, that reign and his sons, Israel went through a whole lot of bad kings, a whole lot. And I mean, they went downhill big time. And they split into two kingdoms, north and south. Kind of sound like uh, the old, good old USA, you know, split into two kingdoms, north and south. And the northern kingdom by this time had fallen to Sennacherib already by the Psalms writing it had fallen. Hezekiah was the remaining, was, was the king of the southern kingdom. And uh, at that time it was also known as Judah. You can read all about this in 2 Kings chapter 18. I recommend it. 2 Kings chapter 18. Sennacherib was well on his way to conquering Egypt. And Egypt was the, was the prize here. Egypt is what they wanted. And uh, little Judah, little kingdom just stood in the way of him getting to, to Egypt. In 701 B.C., Sennacherib uh, invaded and looted and pretty much leveled the, the city of Lachish, Lachish in Jude, up in upper Judah. And then he sent a message to Hezekiah. And the message said, what I just did to Lachish, I'm going to do that and more to Jerusalem. Talk about trouble. Assyrians had hundreds of thousands of the world's best equipped soldiers. Hundreds of thousands of them. And Judah had uh, thousands of soldiers. Yeah, uh, Sennacherib also had the whole city completely surrounded. He had come right at dusk, okay? It was right at dusk, and the whole city completely... Imagine all the torches all the way around the, around the, the, the city gates. You can look out, and you, all you see is armies. And they let him know, they let uh, the king Hezekiah know that uh, they were going to attack at midnight. What are they going to do? <laughs> They're sitting there going, <laughs> you know, and there's nothing, nothing they can do. So what Sennacherib, King Hezekiah knew he was way over his head. And what he did, with Sennacherib's warning, shows us what we need to do when trouble first strikes us. What Hezekiah did, what Hezekiah did is, is he took the message, it was on a scroll that, that, uh, that had been sent to him by Sennacherib, and he laid that message out, the one, the one, the one that said, uh, "What I'm going to do to, I'm going to do to Jerusalem, what I did to that other city." He laid it out in front of the altar, spread it out, and he knelt down and he prayed and he prayed and he he prayed and prayed and prayed, prayed his heart out, praying for God's intervention in this. You have no many, you have, you have no idea how many times Chris Warner and I did just that. Over at the altar, the, the, the old church building, the, the classic, the historic building, of the church, we would kneel at that altar and pray our hearts out to the Lord. Save Holy Cross, we're going to die, save us. And we're still here. Wow, we're still here. Still doing fine too. Anyway, God sent word through the prophet Isaiah to Hezekiah that Hezekiah was not to enter into any sort of agreement. No, 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 uh, don't, 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 don't say a word, don't do anything. And, and Isaiah told Hezekiah that God said, sit still. Don't move. <laughs> well, what are we going to do, God? I just, well, at peace. Okay? So anyway, uh, God would save him, but Hezekiah would have to trust in God alone. That was what this was all set up to, to make Hezekiah trust. But it's just getting dark now. The whole city is surrounded, waiting for midnight, completely gripped in fear. And then, boom, it happens. God acted. 
A mysterious plague swept over the Assyrians. A mysterious plague. It wasn't COVID because almost 180,000 died instantly. Just like... Imagine. At five minutes to midnight, those who were still alive turned tail and ran back to Babylon, back to Assyria. And Sennacherib went back to Assyria completely and utterly defeated and a broken man. Defeated not by combat, mind you, not by Jerusalem's strong fortifications, those walls of Jerusalem. He was completely and solely defeated by God's miraculous power. Psalm 46, amen. Psalm 46 was written after the siege. Psalm 46 is an uncontrollable praise song, a praise song to triumph, to show God has triumphed over our troubles. As we were at the beginning today, I told you that God, that, that Jesus never promises a trouble-free life. But to those who put their complete faith in him, he does promise a trouble-free heart. Remember that? I need to tell you, from 35 years of experience, it is so true, I can tell you. An untroubled heart can triumph over any situation life throws at you. Again, based on firm, three firm convictions, and those convictions are, the Lord is on our side. Lord is by our side, and the Lord is gives us peace inside. God always does intervene in our troubles, always, always, every time, in time, on time, every time. Psalm 46 begins with familiar words, and uh, let's see if we can put those on the screen. Will you there? God is our refuge and strength, very present help in trouble. Okay. In Hebrew, by the way, refuge, that word refuge, basically it means, it refers to a high tower or a, a protection place. Where do birds go when they, when they are alarmed on the ground? They fly up into the trees, don't they? Well, that's, that's, their, that's their protection place. Likewise, the Lord is the one to whom we can fly when trouble strikes, just as Hezekiah did. The first step for us is to go to the Lord and lay out the problem before him. Before you do anything else, you pray. Before you do anything else, you pray. Why? Because prayer puts the focus on God, where it belongs. Not on me and my worries, but not on what I'm going to do or what might happen. Prayer enables me to see the issue from God's perspective. To seek his guidance. A little dirty secret here. I'm often the cause of my own problems. <laughs> I'm often the cause. Prayer helps me know whether it is my fault and whether I need to, somebody, I need to seek somebody out and, for, and ask them to forgive me, you know, if I, if I need that before God will deliver me. When I pray first, when I pray before, before I act, and if I'm willing to follow orders, God will show me how to communicate with the other party, what to say, how I should react. To act before praying can be disastrous. <laughs> Let me tell you from experience, ask me about the hundreds of times that I've charged ahead and said, this is what we're going to do, God, now bless it. And God just laughed. And uh, By the way, to procrastinate never solves anything either. It's not an answer. You might miss God's perfect timing if you procrastinate. So pray first and count on God to be by your side. Like Hezekiah found, there are times in our life when there's little else we can do. Our power, well, we don't have any. It's too weak. God's power is what we need. God's power is our present hope in trouble. In the 16th century, Martin Luther, you've heard of him, Martin Luther relied on Psalm 46 to remind us 
about the Lord is on our side, by our side, and gives us peace inside. He would often come to a point where he'd have to say to his friend, Philip Melanchthon, he'd say, Philip, it is time once again for us to sing Psalm 46. And that's what they would do. And he wrote a hymn, a, a, a classic hymn of the church called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. That is God, our refuge and strength. A mighty fortress is our God. It's based on this very psalm, and it expresses our deepest need for hope when there is no hope. A retreat from trouble is strength in the midst of trouble. That's the, that's the hymn, and that's the psalm. The psalm reminds us God is on our side, he is by our side, and he is... Thank you. Okay, good for you. <laughs> Psalm 46, verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear. The earth may be removed. The mountains may be carried in the sea. The mountains waters may roar. But God is on my side and by my side. We can't live without fear until we know right here and right here. God's got it. Until we, until we know that neither what people can do or say, nor the disappointing reversals of life, nor physical sickness, nor pain, not even death, Nothing can ultimately destroy or hurt our relationship with the Lord. Nothing. His promise we will live with him forever if we have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Do you have that confidence? Do you have that calm confidence, that, that, that peace of God that passes understanding, as we like to say? It comes from knowing that God is on our side and by our side. Do you have that confidence? Psalm 46, verse 5. Verse 5. Let's go up one more verse. There we go. Okay. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is on my side and by my side in this. We can count on it. And oh, God does act. He does intervene. We can confidently expect him to take over and to do exactly what we need. He's constantly at work changing people, changing circumstances, changing situations to bring a resolution. Remember that classic hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? It says, take it to the Lord in prayer. What you do. When I take it to the Lord in prayer, God acts. He always does. He untangles the trouble, something I can't do without him. He changes the situation or he changes me. The Lord is on our side. The Lord is by our side. And now we can move to that third conviction, which is the greatest conviction that the Lord gives us in trouble. He is not only on our side and by our side, he gives us peace inside. When you say yes to Jesus, when you, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, the river of the Spirit flows within us. And if we allow Jesus to come in our lives and take over, there's peace. Have you done that? Have you? Have you done that? His peace, the peace of God, the result of knowing that we have adequate resources to face anything, anything. Have you heard of George Muller? Probably not, but a generation ago, George Muller had this kind of face, this Psalm 46 kind of faith. Over a period of 60 years, Dr. Muller cared for more than 10,000 orphanages. He ran an orphanage in England. He had two shillings in his pocket when he started. Through the years, and he's English, and through the years he received over five million pounds for the orphanage. That's in uh, $1,900, by the way. He said the one thing he could not do, the one thing he could never, ever do, was worry. He ran the orphanage on one simple belief. 
God guides, God provides. Dozens of stories have been told about George Muller's faith, but one really stands out. There was one day in particular, as usual, they had no food. They had nothing in the house. And, you know, picture, if you will, like a, a scene from the, from the musical Oliver with all the kids are at the table and they're you know, standing around with the knife and the fork and they're waiting expectantly and, well, <laughs> and there's nothing. Muller goes into his prayer closet, closes the door, lays it out before God. He prayed the following words. He said, he said, Father, we thank thee for the food which thou art going to give us. That is audacious. And you know something? He says, Amen. And right after a pause, a knock comes at the door. It was a baker. And the baker says, for some strange reason, never happened before, but for some strange, strange, strange reason, he was awakened at two o'clock in the morning and he was he just he just felt he had to bake bread for these children. And so he's now just tons and tons of bread. He says, he says, Do you need any bread? Shortly after this, a, a milk, milkman knocked on the door and he said, my milk wagon just broke down right outside of your orphanage here. And I got to get I got to get this milk off the thing so I can take the wagon back for repairs. Do you happen to need all this milk? In his journal, George Muller wrote that there were hundreds of times when they were without food, without funds, but their needs were always met. Did you hear me? He never had to go unanswered. He never had a need go unanswered. God always answers the trouble in time, on time, every time. Our God is a God who can provide complete and total victory over any trouble that comes your way. Our God is a God who can stop mighty armies in their tracks, turn them around and turn them running. Our God is the God who calls things that... he. Y'all, he calls us to live beyond the place of our perceived resources, to live into things beyond the level of our perceived abilities, if we're willing to do it. Most of all, God calls us to trust. Be still, God says. Be still and know that I am Lord. The God of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Do you know that? Do you believe it? Can you count on it? One more time, do you have this confidence in the calm confidence that if everything falls apart, you're going to be just fine? They call that peace. If you're new here at Holy Cross, just beginning your spiritual journey, you need to know that Holy Cross has trained people and uh, not just clergy to help you get where God wants to take you. If you aren't already, get in one of the many life groups that uh, Holy Cross has for you to choose from. God promises you that whenever two or three people are together, he's right there in the middle of them. And he is. And he will be. I promise you that. You can have calm confidence, the peace of the God that understands you. God wants to give it to you. God is on your side. God is by your side. And God is the one who gives you peace. That's the glorious message of Psalm 46. And for that good news, for the peace of God, we can all say thanks be to God. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.